Welcome to the Broadband Bunch, a podcast about broadband and how it impacts all of us. Join us to learn about the state of the industry and the latest innovations and trends. Connect with the thought leaders, pioneers, and policymakers helping to shape your future through broadband. The Broadband Bunch at Mountain Connect 2021, brought to you by ETI Software, your zero-touch automation experts. By Calix, simplify, excite, grow. By DXTEL, creators of the Harper Broadband Marketing Library. By ITK Solutions Group, process first, technology second. And by Utopia Fiber, building a more connected nation. My name is Rob Tiffany. I'm the vice president and head of IoT strategy at Ericsson, which is a Swedish company that makes all that 5G stuff everybody's talking about. I've heard about it, yes. Yes, it might be a thing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rob, thanks for joining the Broadband Bunch. Yeah. Um, we're at Mountain Connect 2021 here in lovely Keystone, Colorado. Have you been to this event before? You know, many years ago, I'm fr- old friends with Jeff. Okay. <laughs> and it was back when I used to work at Microsoft, and I... The last time I was here, it was in this same location. It might have been five years ago, maybe four. I don't know. How has it changed? It seems similar. It, it's also, but it's just great to see real people for a change. It's been a while. Lots of Zoom. I can't tell you how many Zoom keynotes I've done oh, <laughs> over really? the last yeah. 18 months, right? right? Yeah, you can feel the energy. People actually want to talk to you and interact, and it's uh, we've been starving for it. So it is nice to be back. Absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, a lot of great, a lot of great people here. A lot of great vendors here. Great technology. A lot of optimism. Yeah, I can feel it. Yeah, I, we just you just got done a, a panel discussion over the launch talking about technology in general, but it was a pretty spirited conversation. Um, yeah. and, and some of the stuff that you thought that you talked about, I thought was really interesting around precision agriculture. Right. You know, so precision ag, as people call it. And, yeah. And so just tell us a little bit about how you're working in that field and some of the some of the things that you're seeing happening now that may have not been happening five years ago. Yeah, absolutely. I think how I got pulled into it. So I do all this Internet of Things stuff. And that's a lot of my background at Microsoft and Hitachi has been in industrial IoT and stuff like that. But um Started working with, you know, working with farmers um, and, and precision ag, really, it's a, it's a bunch of different things. You know, first you kind of step back and look at, you know, what's the, the Uber problem that we've got to solve? Um, like business as usual, part of it is the population, whatever we've got now, seven something billion people and right. they expect us to be at nine or something uh, in a couple of decades. And so, uh, you know, part of the takeaway was we need to double the amount of food production, and which is a pretty tall order. Um, and at the same time, you know, lots of us deal with scarcity in business and life. It m- might be money or other things. But, you know, in farming, it's, you know, what are the inputs? I'm growing something in the grounds. I need sunlight. I need water. I need good soil, stuff like that. Um, and in the past, they've used fertilizer, they put chemicals down for pests. And so they've had to rethink a lot of things about how to do agriculture moving forward. Uh, obviously, they need to increase their crop yields. They will probably have to do it with less water. Uh, right. Anybody who's watching what's going on in California right now in the San Joaquin Valley, it's heartbreaking. There's no water. Yeah. Uh, it, hey, well, here we are in the Rocky Mountains where the water begins for a whole bunch of the United States. 
right? Yeah. Cities like Phoenix and Las Vegas and L.A. and most of Southern California wouldn't even exist if it wasn't for the Colorado River. And all those... All that agriculture, this amazing place in the, in the Central Valley of California, which produces so much, the water's gone. Um, all the, they've been draining the aquifers. Uh, they've been pulling water. You know, they, they rely on snow melts and things like that. And so water's a big deal. And so for them, it's, you know, they pay for water. A lot of people don't even think about buying water. No. When I li- up where I live in Washington State, we have so much water, it's crazy. We have river, we have just tons of water. Right. And it's like free. And so they don't think about it as much, but in California, it's like gold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so they're, they're like, all right, I got to get more water. I can't afford it. How do I, how, and so precision means instead of just mindlessly sprinkling all your crops or, you know, mindlessly flooding things or whatever, it's like, I have to be really thoughtful about where I put my water. Cause I have, it's a, now it's a precious resource. Right. It may, you might argue that fresh water might be the most precious resource on the whole planet. I know people take it for granted, and they probably never think of it like that, but it might become that way. I don't know. No, I think it's become more and more apparent. What's, what's striking to me is that we're surrounded by a lot of these municipal leadership around here that are struggling with how do they serve their communities with better broadband and understand everything that goes into broadband, right? Yeah. And now here we're talking about a farming community, which my bias is seems a little less sophisticated than most, but... Uh, they seem to be leading the way in some of these municipal discussions sure. around, hey, we need to get to precision agriculture. This is a part yeah. of our economic foundation and pushing their leadership and partners into this thinking. I mean, Absolutely. I think they're under the gun. I think it was a bunch of science projects in the last decade kicking the tires. You know, when you saw the, the Internet of Things megatrend really kick off in earnest, maybe 10 years ago, whatever, um, people... It was all too expensive. It's right. still probably too expensive today. So like the things I see and the things I've worked with, soil moisture is a big thing. And the, and there's a wide range in cost there. There's kind of real cheap soil moisture sensors you can put in the ground, you know, for under 10 bucks. And then there's ones that cost $1,000. Right. When you think of just what this whole thing is, it's all IoT. It's, I've, I've got a, some kind of compute, microcontroller, whatever, with sensors attached to it and software. And then I need some kind of connectivity. And that's kind of why we're all here. People may have great connectivity in the cities, but on these farms, they may have nothing. Um, and so IoT and, get, and that knowledge they need, because IoT is about measuring so that I can take an action. So I'm measuring hey, this part, this part of my farm needs the water, but this other part, they're good to go. So right. I don't need to needlessly waste expensive water. Or, hey, it turns out I don't need fertilizer or I don't need to put down pesticide here because they want to limit that as well. So it's all, it's all things like that. And it all starts with measuring. You, know, you, you have to know something before you can take action. And so, um, so, they, so there's the connectivity part of it is so, so critical, and there's software part of it, there's analytics that help drive decisions, but if you don't have connectivity, none of this stuff works. And so it's a real struggle, because so I'll spend time in these different farms, and some of them will have a little bit of cellular coverage, but even when they do, it doesn't mean that's always the right option, because, and I'm just repeating what I hear from them. It's like, well, it's just too expensive. Mm. You know, um, I'm having to get data plans right. for sensors that, you know, 
it's not the same as a person with an iPhone or an right. Android device. And so uh, mobile operators, they certainly have talked a good game over the years, but they haven't brought down the price for IoT device type data plans like you'd expect. I've seen some MVNOs do some clever things. You know, you've always heard about this thing, the idea of a global SIM. Right. Um, you know, early days of IoT, you were people doing that, and you're basically roaming on networks all over the place. Turns out mobile operators around the world don't actually like you to roam on their network. They do that as a convenience. It's all about contracts. Um, so you, you're seeing a lot of people do it. You know, we do that at Ericsson where I work. We have a, a global uh, deal for connection management. But, I, but I've seen some that are also tackling, not only do I get a SIM that works everywhere, but I'm going to beat up on the price. And so one thing I've worked with recently, it was a few weeks ago, doing out at a hops farm, we used a, a startup that's charging one penny per megabyte wow. for these cellular IoT devices. That was the first time I've seen something semi-reasonable right. <laughs> in my life. And it's like, I've always been saying it to the operators, it's like, listen, you're $30 a month, you're still not close. It needs to be pennies. Right. And because because these farmers, they want to put scattered thousands right. of sensors. If they make it more addressable, then they can scale. Right? Yes. That's the revenue opportunity that they're missing from trying to not meet the nuance in the pricing models. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. The pricing models, is they're just not able to seize that market. So I've seen that. That's interesting and cool, but you don't always have cellular coverage. The farmers have to be really resourceful. Um, there's not a lot of broadband. There's no fiber. What about Starlink? Is that an option? It is, and is they're it? talking about it. Okay. You know, I'll probably get fired for saying this, but people <laughs> talk about, you know, what's 6G going to be? And yep. I go, it could be something like Starlink. You know, being in the tech industry, most of my career at Microsoft and doing startups, there's always some barbarian at your gate, yes. some disruptive technology, and early on you might make fun of it or it doesn't seem realistic, and then it eats your lunch. <laughs> Amazon is one of the right. I mean, yeah, they, I mean, absolutely. Bezos was a joke for a long period of time, and then he just look at him now. Absolutely. So. And so, Starlink. A lot of people in ag are looking at Starlink because it works everywhere. And we, we're very biased around because they do a nice job with media, but there's Viasat, there's Cupiter. You know, there's a lot of alternatives. Yes. Has, you yeah. Know, Hyber. Yeah. Yeah. A lot totally. of the LeoSat stuff is really an option that's emerging. Um, yeah. One of the things I did want to, what about funding? I mean, so there's a lot of conversation around all the funding that's coming through the federal government. Are the farmers in line to benefit from any of those subsidies? They are. Um, and it's interesting, you work with different types of farmers. I've worked with the big mega farms where they seem pretty well off. They have tons of land, they've got all the best equipment, and they don't seem to have money problems. But then you have your typical most mom and pop farms, right. and they're barely breaking even if they're lucky year to year. I feel like we have to succeed with them for us to succeed at all. It's not good enough, you know, I, I, I see these uh, demonstrations of all these, you know, like you'll see drones doing flyovers of orchards and they do spectral analysis and you see all these colors and they can tell you what's going on with the leaf health and they can tell you the density of apples on a tree. They can also see disease early on, like fire blight that could wipe people out. Jesus. It's great. And it sounds like, yeah, I'm all in with drones. Oh, it turns out 30 minutes of drone time costs a lot of money, yeah. like way more than you thought. And so there's a lot of great technologies. They're currently unaffordable. They just are, just to the regular mom and pop farm. Um, and so from my perspective, 
We have got to Walmart the heck out of devices, connectivity, everything, and beat down those those costs to make it, if we want to have wide yeah. acceptance. So what's the tipping point where, where we get to enough scale, where the economy is a scale that all people can benefit from it, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and, and there's so many there's so many components in doing this IoT measurement thing, and everybody's got their hand out and wants to get paid, right? Yeah. From hardware, microcontrollers to the sensors, short range wireless, edge gateways, platforms, analytics, and you name it. And the muni should be paying attention to the the Internet of Things because sensors apply. It's just one use case, right? Yes. If you're in town and you have fire prevention or you have crime or smoke detection, I mean. The model that you can help the farmers um, to adopt and to really learn a lot, there's a ton of benefit on the back end for you all. Absolutely. And you know, IoT on the farm isn't just about being out in the, the field or the orchard. You know, it could be cameras looking at things instead of drones. Sheep cameras, you know, <laughs> why not? Is that a real thing? It's a, Just go to Staples and grab a webcam and put it out there, okay. <laughs> um, you know. But, but a lot of times, a lot of people assume it's all, oh, it's full motion video and I need 5G or something right. like that. And that's just not real. Sometimes it could even be a black and white photo uh, of, of things. And then and then you're right, you're just getting little bits of data, temperature, humidity, soil moisture, pH, things like that. We're not talking rocket science here. But agriculture, there's adjacent places to it. There's the packing house. And so me being uh, having a huge background in industrial IoT in, in manufacturing, I go into a packing house, like the apples come in from the orchard and they go on these conveyor belts and I go, oh, this looks like a factory. This looks like process automation, is right. what, you know, process manufacturing rather. And so there's lots of room to help the f agriculture community there because you, you instrument machines Right now, people are using machines in these packing houses, conveyor belts, all kinds of cool stuff. And guess what they do? They run them until they fail. Right. Until they just break and stop working. Well, God forbid if they break during harvest time for them when it's really critical. And so a lot of them aren't plugged into IoT as much as maybe giant manufacturers have been. And so when you kind of talk to them, I was like, well, you know, if we could instrument this conveyor belt, it could, it could deter, you know, and we're not talking machine learning stuff. I'm just saying early warning. Right. Things are starting to wear down, Predictive bearings failure. are, and yeah. so, you know what? It's probably gonna fail in the next few weeks. You know, just something like that. Yeah, I think there's a lot, there was an applicate, I saw this documentary on um, pig farmers, and they were using cameras to figure out the mood of the pig, because apparently, uh, happy pigs taste better. There right? you and go. We all, we all like good bacon. So, yes. but a residual of that is, they collected all of this footage of pig faces. They had the camera where the, the pigs would drink. Yep. And so they're measuring all the nuances in the faces and they were really, really good at detecting pigs because it's hard because otherwise right. you have to like mark their ears and stuff. Good point. But the, the, out, the outcome of that is it really advanced facial recognition, yeah. right? Because now you have this data set and you're evolving, evolving. And it's just kind of like everyone attributes NASA to Velcro. Like you really don't know when you invest in an area really specifically What's the residual outcome that benefits us collectively? Right. You know? No, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, we chatted earlier, just climate change or all these things that are bigger things that are happening to us. Um, obviously, this puts stress on farmers and multiple, you know, yep. obviously we're just talking about water shortages. Um, we've been seeing all the fires. You, you mentioned fire detection. Um, I've seen some innovative deals. You, know, you, know, you want to have sensors scattered throughout forests um, but they can't be expensive, and you gotta, and they can't be some rocket science thing. 
Um, I've seen I've seen software they're using cameras. I've seen them where they're just measuring temperature and humidity and looking for wild fluctuations in the humidity as a sign that yeah. fire might be happening. Or heck, just if you're in a national park and people are walking around, have something with a big red button on it that says, "Hey, I see a fire." Right, something <laughs> Tell the smoky. Fire. Something smoky. Right. All that kind of you know where you nip it in the bud early on. And think about the Dixie Fire that's burning right now. It's up to five hundred thousand acres. Ugh. I mean, how much money? What's the economic impact of that? Oh right? my so god. So if you take a portion of that and you get predictive, and that's the thing that drives us crazy is, as technologists, is that we're always on the defense, right? Yeah. And we really have the wherewithal, the ability to be proactive. And it just takes so many compelling events for us to decide to be, to, to be on, the foref- on the forefront rather than on our back heel. We're, we're always on our heels. Yeah. Um, yes, I often say, and it's appropriate with the fire there, people, yeah, they just don't do anything until their own house is, is on, on fire. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. they're like, oh my God, all hands on deck, let's go do it. And it's like, well, you know, you knew this was coming. Yeah. Well, I hope this, the funding that's coming down, you know, we're in the middle of all waiting to hear how that plays out. I hope that helps us adopt a predictive mentality. And I appreciate yeah. jumping in and uh, give us your, your take. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks There's a lot. lot of good work to do out there. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks.